are now. About to witness. Oh, this is awesome. Crushing a mind. Oh, my. Robinson, baby, safe and quiet. Show. Stop. Welcome, my friend. To a show that seemingly never saw a kind of end. Using this love to show something. Number. What number is it? Number. A one. A two. A nine. Using this love to show stuff. I'm the host of this Robinson. Let's let Bob Riley sing us in. The record is calling him a justice. Stigmata. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they're seeking the death of the nightclub or hit the car with a hammer or bone. We'll let Bob Sinderson, as he has since 2007, when the show was called Snow. Today we will speak on UFC Fight Night 176. And a major of experience as it applies to the UGS Robin's home. But first, Bob Riley. And if there's a problem and you can't hear me, let me know. I do see the register. Seems like I'm coming up on the bar. So the bar is there. But listen. Listen well. I'm on my way back to nowhere. I took my tablet. I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So be in payback and full always nothing. Yeah. Right now, for those of you who give two shits, this is what it is in breezy Northern California. That's 106 degrees. 106 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius, because uh, I'm an American. But it's, uh, well, somebody figure it out and put it in the comments. It's pretty hot. And uh, and I'm going to post something so you can see how I, I spent the noon hour. I'm going to file it under ways in which I try to kill myself or nature's warning sign. I can't decide which. Yeah, man. It's, it's kind of, you don't hear me often complain about the heat because I was born in August and generally I liked it. What is it? 40 degrees Celsius for those of you in the UK or in Europe or, or any place that use Celsius. 40 degrees, pretty hot. But you know, climate change is a fiction. It doesn't really exist. Don't worry about it. When this heat wave moves across America, there will be deaths behind it. And there are people dying now. They're actually advising us on what to do. I bought a turbo fan. You, can't, you, you, you hear it? No, you can't hear it. <laughs> 50 bucks for a turbo force. Actually, you know what they got around? They got sleazy. They don't call it a fan. They call it an air circulator. 
it turbo circulates. But anyway, let's get the commercials. Let's get the commercials out of the way. Uh, Pinko nine five zero one four at yahoo.com. If you want to, if you want to go direct PayPal us stuff, Tommy LB once again is the winner. Is the winner. Tommy, give me your size again. I'll send you some stuff. And you called before. Was that a butt call, a, an accidental call? You left me four, four minutes of a message of total silence. I, I'm guessing that wasn't the real message. Tom, somebody will have to remind Tommy LB when he gets in. <laughs> One, what's your what's your shirt size? And two, did you, did you have something to say when you called? I was out with my uh, slam ball, sledgehammer, weight vest, kettleballs, and wreck bag, trying to get killed at high noon there was a benefit though they had these cats they were, had dirt bikes and they were practicing tricks right and you know you know this is kind of like a kid who didn't get enough attention so at first cool they're practicing tricks and they got cones and they're zipping between the cones i run about three miles then i set up the bags and stuff and they kind of want some recognition they're like youngish men so they like want to be hey, hey and men and women hey we want to and so the guy's like doing more stunts, they're more dangerous. He's popping wheelies. He's standing up on the bike. He's flipping. He's flapping. He's flipping. And finally, like, I'm ignoring them because I'm, you know, I'm trying not to die, right? And starting with paying attention to whether I'm overheating and so on. I refuse to drink water during this workout. So he, um, he just, and then I look and the guy's like laying there on the ground, like not moving. And the bike is like there. And, and, you know, the wife and I and, and the kid, we took a stroll the other day. And some woman about 20 feet in front of us just crashes her bike, you know. And, uh, and I, you know, I thought I stood there and I was mostly waiting for her to get the hell out of the way because of COVID. And she's messing with the bike and she's trying to stand up. But she's looking at her phone and she's dipping and dipping and dipping and dipping. And finally, you know, Kasha just moves forward. I go, fuck, okay, Kasha's not nervous. So I will go. So we walk ahead. And then, like a day later, I say, "Hey, you know, do we have an ethical responsibility to stop and help that woman?" And and because uh, I, I went through this in my head, and I said, "You know, if I stop and help her, um, well, I know I went through. I went through. If it happened to me, would she stop and help me?" And then I thought, "You know, she wouldn't. So fuck her." And then I started thinking, "Well, no, she wouldn't, because men are crazy." And who knows, I could be Ted Bundy. I could be faking that bike accident that I fell down, and then I could throw her in the back of the van and kill her and bury her behind my house. She has ample reason to not offer help to me, whereas it's not the same the other way around. So do I have an ethical responsibility? And Kasha said, well, we stood there for long enough to see her get up, brush herself off, fix her phone, start to fix her bike. So if she had needed help, she knew that we were a, a watchful presence. So we didn't abdicate our, our ethical responsibility. So this kid crashes with the bike. I'm seeing sparks come off the bike. It's at noon, so, you know, there's a lot of sparks for me to see him. And the kid's just laying there. And I thought, well, I'm not even going to go through that thought process there because this is a valuable life lesson, and there are eight of these kids out there. So they, they, can, they can help them as long as, that, as long as the bike doesn't explode. And, of course, because it's me, I think... And because it's me, I think I'm... I hope the bike doesn't explode so that I have to move my workout and continue somewhere else. You know, there, there are people who get crab motorcycle crashes every day, but my workout is important to me. And then I start thinking, you know what? I, I wonder, is that, is that, is, is, is aggressive self-interest a hallmark of, of a sociopathology? 
is, 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 is that what it's a hallmark of or a psychopathology? So if I wanted to, if I wanted to, if I wanted to view a polar extreme that way, like a, like somebody like a, like a Hitler, it, oh sorry, I'm off track. I got to finish the commercials. Also, I didn't, haven't loaded up the last few shows on Patreon, so I won't really charge you for in the month of August, which is a drag because it means I won't really get paid for it. So I got to do that after this show. I'll load it up. But if you want to donate a little bit of money, patreon.com slash the stomper or stomper bell. I can't never remember which. I'm sure you can find it. And I know times are hard. If you don't have it, don't spend it. If it's between this show and the sandwich, get the sandwich, watch the show for free. Catch me on the upside. Also, uh, for housekeeping, somebody in the comments came up on maybe not this show on one of the other shows, came up with a secondary response in regards to the continuation of the Oxbow poster as a show art. And he and the guy was like, eh, you know what I really miss? I really miss the cover of the fight book. And considering that HarperCollins only made six of those, those mortar boards, and I actually managed to snag four of them and then sold one, which means I only have like three in existence, might that not be better? I mean, that was the, the artwork for Knuckle Up, but this show is about more than MMA, but might that be better than Joe Rocket? Don't answer now. Think about it. Let me know at your leisure. You can DM me through the Twitter machine or however you, you're used to getting a hold of me, right? I'm just saying, this is housekeeping. I'm getting the housekeeping done. So I start to think about aggressive self-interest as being a hallmark of, of sociopathology, right? And, and, um, and then I start to think, well, um, she, she, she hates showstopper. Showstopper. My baby hates showstopper. Um, so I start thinking, well, my phone is blowing up as I'm, so I do the run, I do a three mile run and I got all I got the bag and I got the, I got the pad on the ground that I do so because I'm doing neck exercises and so on because I'm planning on eventually going back to jujitsu. I'm too close to black belt to almost get in the black belt to not think I'm well when I say close I mean five years. So brown belt, one stripe, I'm I'm on my way. I gotta be in shape when they break this COVID thing. So you know I'm taking my, my training seriously, but um but uh so I open the back of the car. And I got all I got all the stuff like laid out, and I got my phone in case it's an emergency. And I bing, 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 like people, somebody's like really trying to get a hold of me. And uh, between sets, to focus on something so I don't pass out, I hit the button and I see, oh wow, look who's texting me. It happens to be Gavin McInnes. He's texting me. Um, you know, I called him and he didn't call. I texted him and he's, like, who is this? I go Eugene, and he says. You know, that doesn't help me. And I go, I guess, I guess you must know a lot of Eugene. How about Eugene Robinson? He goes, oh, hey, man, how you doing? And he goes, I go, I want to talk to you about this piece. He goes, I'm in Montana at some kind of weird right-wing think tank retreat thing. Um, so not now it's not good. Said, All right, well, whenever. So apparently somebody forwarded him to me since he's been banned from... PayPal and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I mean, he's the, the only place you can see him censored.tv. But he found out. He says, let me know. He says, hey, man, you know, you got a, you got a couple of uh, things wrong. You know, I wasn't fired advice. Okay. It was one of those, I quit, you're fired. You're fired, you're fired, I quit. I quit, you're fired, I quit. 
you know, it's like when, you know, a girl says, that's what we really want to, maybe we should talk about, I, I, I'm dumping you. No, I'm dumping you. No, I'm, du I'm dumping you. I, I had this girl once who said she had a perfect record of never having been dumped, right? Which I kind of laughed and thought about. And then I started to do the Hollywood fade. I didn't call her for like three or four months, right? I figured, I don't want to ruin your perfect record, but I don't want to have to talk to you again. And one day my phone rings and I answer the phone and, and it's her. And I was like, oh, hey, I want to act completely normal because, you know, why not? I figure it's four months. She's not going to talk about the relationship. What lunatic would talk about a relationship where you haven't heard from the person for four months? It's clearly no longer a relationship. As I'm about to start to ease into hanging up the phone, she says, hey, I guess we should talk. <laughs> and I was like, this is must this must be what it's like to have an undefeated record where you would do anything to keep that record. And I go, talk, you know, about what? She goes, our relationship. And I was like, huh. like she's not gonna, she's not gonna, she's not gonna, she's not gonna take the L out of this one, right? I go, okay. She goes, Yeah, I I think it's probably better if we don't see each other anymore. Do you feel the same way? I go, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I think you're right. And she goes, okay, good. I just, I just wanted to get that established. She, she wanted to keep the record. She didn't want to take the L. And she goes, okay. I go, okay. Hung up the phone, and that, that was that. It's comical, sort of, kind of. So you know, I quit your fight. Your fight, I quit. And he said, uh, the reality of it was Viacom. And I talk. I'm gonna have an addendum to the piece that I wrote that I that I quoted at the top of the show in the comments. Um, I'm going to have an addendum where I just print what he says, which is that um, Viacom was um, uh, Viacom was nervous and um, you know thought that I was a brand and was afraid that I would be ousted and that wouldn't be good for the brand, and so I left. Here, if you just listen, if you're just listening, and that's Jan. If you're just listening on the, uh, on SoundCloud, I am now making the universal hand gesture for uh, masturbating a penis. And if you actually can see the show, you see that I'm making that right over Joe Rockhead's penis. Hey, it, it, maybe it's a lie, maybe it's not. But I start thinking beyond that. And I start thinking, well, I've known Gavin since like, my, I, I can't even remember how it is that I, I think 1999, I wrote one of the first national pieces on MMA back when it was called NHB, No Holds Barred. And it was for uh, GQ magazine. Sean Penn was on the cover, that much I remember. Uh, there you go. There you go, Tommy. Uh, give me your, your shirt size again. And then did you call? You left them like a four-minute message. I couldn't, but it was like a butt call. There was no, it was nothing but the ambient sound in it. Unless you were, unless you become an ambient musician and wanted me to hear your new direction, uh, did you need me to call you back? Otherwise, I got another package for you. But um, so I said, I, I think that, like I say in the piece, I think the GQ piece maybe put him in it because of the Oxbow thing. And he sought me out, right? He sought he he, he sought me out, and um, good, 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 and and, um, and you know we became we became friends. I talk about this in the piece, but I I think beyond Gavin, and I think about the number of people that I would consider known associates, or and or friends, acquaintances, different levels of involvement, and I go, whew, at a certain point. I remember when, when Dr. Dre talked about leaving Death Row Records and he said, you know, sometimes you go to a party and you look around and realize that you're not enjoying being at the party. So what do you do? You leave the party. 
And there are any number of reasons why you might not enjoy being at the party. Usually it's the people at the party. But I, I, look, I look through my life and I populate and I, it's, let's go back, Eugene. Let's go back to 1977. I'm on a train, uh, it's typically called the prison train. It runs down the Hudson, Hudson Valley and it goes by all the prisons. It goes by Sing Sing, it goes by Fishkill Correctional. If you go further north, I'm, I think maybe Attica is somewhere on there. All the prisons, right? I've written about this before. Uh, um, I see some guy get on the train. It's an old guy. But I might keep in mind at this point in 77, I'm 15, right? So uh, I'm watching this old guy, and he's, like, trying to talk to strangers. And no, and my heart goes out because nobody wants to have anything to do with him. You know, they're kind of like, yeah, whatever. But they know something I don't know, but I'm so young, I don't know what they know that I don't know. So the guy, the guy... Uh, Finally, he's like, nobody's giving him any love. And he sees the seat open next to me. He goes, is this seat taken? I go, nah, sit down. So the guy sits down. We start talking. Turns out that was the day that he got out of prison. You know, junior journalist that I am at a certain point. His name was Billy Kahn. At a certain point, we start talking. And I say, hey, so what were you in prison for? And he said, well, you know, they say it was murder. But let me tell you. And he tells me his whole story about when he was a kid, he's in his house, he's cleaning his gun, and uh, he looked like, um, you know, he looked like, you guys just got me a book of his, he looked like Hubert Selby Jr. If you don't know who that is, look him up. Yeah, he looked like, eerily like Hubert Selby Jr. And he was probably 45, but to me, he seemed really old. So he's cleaning his gun, he says, <clears throat> he looks out the window, and there's some girls, uh, there's some girls walking by, and he leans out and he goes, Hey, baby. And as he leans out, he happens to depress the trigger of the rifle that he's cleaning, shoots himself in the head. And so then he has to have a plate put in his head. He survives. Flashes to years later because these stories always go. Next thing I know, he's shacked up with some. Hey, there's Archie. He's shacked up with some woman. He goes, and, you know, we got into drink. You know, he had the metal plate in his head. She was acting up and, uh, you know, she's swinging around an empty bottle. She doesn't want me watching the game, wants me to go get some more booze. I say after the game, she doesn't want to hear it. Next thing I know, my hands are covered with blood. I remember she had on a blue nightgown. That's how these stories are told. I thought, why, why did you go from the blood? He looks at his hands, his blood, and he tears her nightgown you know, and, and strangles her with it and then throws her body out of the window and then goes back to watch the baseball game. And he goes, next thing I know, the cops are, are kicking in the door. <laughs> right? So most people, that would be enough. And there's somebody at the door. The bell just rang. Uh, um, well, I just rang on here. It says 15 minutes ago. You got it, all right? Okay. So um, most people, that would be like the end of the train ride, right? So um, not me. The train pulls into 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 uh, uh, Grand Central Station or Penn Station, one of the two, and I say, hey, hey, you want to get a drink somewhere? This is me at 15. He goes, sure. So we walk over to the terminal bar. Keep in mind, the drinking age was 18 in New York at that point. And I had a drink, so I we go, I buy the guy a drink, we sit, we're drinking, and what's the first thing I try to get this guy to do? I try to say, hey, 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 Billy, hey, Billy, hey, you know somewhere I can get a piece? 
you know anybody in the joint who <laughs> and then he's a standing at a halfway house he gives me the number at the halfway house he goes listen i know i gotta see my parole officer but but about well i called out a couple times after that and then i had the, i was working a job as a lifeguard and so i was visit home that weekend and i was going to go back to the, the, as a kid's camp and I, he never we never hooked up again but it was 15. and so you know I, I, lifelong propensity for um, what happened? I used to, I was, I was steeped on Hercules, Gigantor, Speed Racer, you know, all these good guys, Batman, good guys dealing with bad guys. And, you know, but then suddenly I realized, I don't, I don't know what it was that, you know, hey man, the odds seem kind of screwy here. What do good guys always win? You know, and then I started to like cowboys and Indians and the, yeah, I know, it's the Indians, they all kind of look like me. And the Cowboys are kind of these pricks, you know? It, had it not been for Sergio Leone, I, I never would have, never ended up back with Westerns, right? Because then it was about personalities. And so this is me at 15. And so I started to co co collect these. And I realized, you know, at one point we were at some party and somebody had noted this. And in this piece on Gavin, nobody's asked, but at this party they did. And they were like, Hey, uh, Mr. Robinson, you, you certainly have a lot of friends who uh, uh, have, um, I don't know, seem to be psychopaths. How does that happen? Now, I, I, bear with me. We're going to get to MMA, but I had no cares in this last card, so this is not about that. And I, I didn't really know what they meant. And now Lydia Lunch at one point comes to me. We had become friends, and she says, Hey, Eugene, I want, I, I'm looking for funding for this movie. And I want to call it Psycho Menstrum. And it's about a woman who every time she has her period flips out and there's a serial killer. And, and you know, they can't figure out at first they figure she's got a werewolf, that the murderer has a werewolf obsession because murders only happen once a month. But anyway, I, I want you to play a cop. I mean, guy, it's cool. She's but a psycho cop. And so, I mean, you figured it out, but nobody's listening to you because you're kind of psycho. And you track me down and we have this love thing, and then it becomes like the Black Widow spider. Like, I don't know if you're going to kill me. You don't know if I'm going to kill you. And, and she's telling me this story. I mean, face to face. We're sitting, and she's telling me this story, and I'm, like, nodding my head, and I'm listening, and I'm nodding, right? I'm, like, just like I'm doing now, looking at her just like, like, yeah. And then she pauses. She felt something. I don't know. She pauses, and she looks at me very earnestly and says, of course, I don't want to have to die when we make this. And it kind of shook me out of my reverie when I was like, did you somehow think that I didn't understand that this was a movie? And I didn't have that sensation until all the stuff in the fight book, now I started fighting crows. And at this point now, the crows I fought are so old that you probably guys don't even know. Frank Trigg, Rico Ciparelli, Vladimir Matyshenko, uh, Cain Velasquez, um, I fought a lot of pros. Uh, Daryl Golar, uh, he was WVC champion for, for a bit of time. Uh, a lot of people, a lot who were professional fighters, and I'd get my ass kicked and I would write about it, right? But at one point, the first person, uh, uh, Vladimir the janitor Matyshenko, down at the Real American Wrestling Raw team, um, yeah, I'm going to get to that. He was a care, uh, Pereira. Um, said, okay, you're going to fight this journalist. And so he was like, where's the journalist? And so um, keep in mind, Todd Hester at the time was the editor-in-chief of Grappling, who I was doing it for Grappling. 
And he wouldn't let me go certain places. He wouldn't let me go to Judo Gene guy, uh, Judo Gene LaBelle. Um, and he was like, hey, listen, those guys are going to hurt you. It's the Carl Gotch school. I go, but Carl Gotch is cool with me. He goes, on the phone. I go, ah, you know, ghetto man Joe Charles. This is old MMA stuff. Sorry. Ghetto man Joe Charles. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you're going to get hurt. Bochanchin, you're going to get hurt. I go, ah, yeah, you just, damn goes, you're going to get hurt. You will not leave this agent. You're going to get hurt. So I was like, okay. And maybe he said it enough times where I got nervous and I was like, okay. But as we stand there with Matashenko, and he says, he's going to fight this journalist. He gets his game face on him. And now suddenly, I'm not sure that he gets it. And so I start making jokes. And I go, hey, this is just for the article. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so then I got the inkling of what, what Lydia was maybe thinking. And it was like not aggressive self-interest that we started out talking with. But the definition of psychopathology, I, I, I don't know. The inability to understand things as they are. And because say, I don't understand, I don't have a full grasp of things as they are. And like I said, there used to be an expression, my old military uh, West Point guy who I used to work with, Jim Coughlin at the Defense Electronics, he said, you know, you know that expression, hotel to the Marines? The Marines have embraced that like it's a proud thing. But at West Point back in the 40s, whenever he was there back in the 40s, 50s, I don't remember, he's an older guy, he said, uh, that was just like, tell somebody who's stupid enough to believe it, go tell to the Marines. And they embraced it as a, as a slogan, right? Um, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the thing. Sleepy state, that, that, that is the thing. I mean, um, there have been odd times. That same summer where I, with Billy Kahn, um, I, I, actually the next summer I was dating this woman, you know, because there's a lifeguard that happened. So I'm 16, and uh, some guy sees me with her at a bar. And RJ's was the bar and Poughkeepsie. And he she leaves and he comes up to me and uh and he's like starts talking to me. Turns out he was an ex of hers, right? And he had probably intended to to beat me to death for no other reason than that was his thing. But we started geeking on um uh, um we started geeking on bodybuilding. And the guy goes, you got to come to my mother's house. You, 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 you got to come to my mother's house. So he lives in the basement of his mother's house. So this guy who had minutes before telling me that he was essentially following her from bar to bar, breaking the jaws of the guys who she talks to, is now invited me to the basement of his mother's house. And I go. Like the time when I was surrounded by Puerto Ricans in the Lower East Side in the tenement and they all had knives. And they, they asked me whatever they asked me. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. There was like... Stupidity, innocence, but you would a clarity, a clearness that, that, that they just like. Can you kill somebody who's crazy? I, I, so we work out. The guy doesn't murder me in his basement. Go back a bunch. We became Patrick. We became good friends that summer. And I always thought I was a tough guy, but I was a sixteen-year-old. This dude was twenty-five. He was bench pressing over three hundred pounds. There's no way I could have defended myself against this guy, despite what I might have thought. So if you go through, if I go through the number of murderers that I have friends, I've written about some of them. Sam McBride used to sing for the band Fang. You can look him up. I mean, Billy Kahn, he's not famous enough to Gordon Kimbrough, who was at a certain point, Mr. California. I worked with him Lynn at part six. The list go, go, goes on and on. You know, I mean, Satanist, 
you know, I count Stanton LaVega, Anton, who I was friends with his grandfather, and now I'm friends with him. Am I a Satanist? Nope, not me. I mean, at, at one point, Anton was like, Eugene, you're absolutely satanic. And I guess I made a funny face, like, eh, like, don't box me into this stupid shit. And he was like, no, 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 I don't mean that in that way. And I was like, no, I'm not offended, but it's just not my thing. You know, that's cool. We could be friends, but I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a, what is the phrase, a groupie, you know? So, so I, 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 there's no conclusion. This is like a Jarmusch movie or a Michael Antonioni movie. I have no conclusion about, um, I guess I sort of presented it in the hopes that like Genghis, that you can maybe explain it to me, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, um, I, I, I think, I think maybe that I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not judging, and, and, but it definitely, like Ian was saying, it definitely started to feel a little bit more comfortable the more dangerous I got, right? Um, and if you read the piece that I wrote about Cameron Earl, and Cameron Earl was at Black Belt, the uh, Health Gracie Black Belt, and he's now in prison for 30 years for uh, attempt uh, rape and. Uh, I think I wrote a piece on the, uh, you can just go to Ozzy and type, or just go to Google and type in uh, Ozzy Cameron Earl, um, and you can see the piece I wrote about it. But I remember he was probably, as an older person, him or Steve Tawson, whose nickname was Mr. 187 Hells Angels, H.A. Heaven, San Jose thing, were probably, as an adult male, the most dangerous people that I've known who are not in prison, who I associated with outside right so i mean because we haven't even scratched the surface of my connections to manson to john wayne gacy we haven't even got me threatening the manson family because we got that big fight over 90 dollars we haven't even gotten there you know so um so and i remember cameron earl i had gone over to his girlfriend's house with him and a bunch of other fighters to watch the fight he had always been super cool to me super cool to me and he was sitting on the couch at one point and he's a black belt and i know it's like a fraternal hazing at some point and uh yeah i mean that's why we fight so that we can't control ourselves right and cameron Earl says i'm thirsty and the guy sitting next to him on the um you know one sitting next to him on the couch is like oh yeah whatever my buddy says he's thirsty he must be thirsty and Cameron was just looking at the, the screen on the TV. He goes, go get me something to drink. The guy's like, I'm watching the fight. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to lose my seat. And he's like, I said, go get me something to. Now, the difference is now that I've been doing jujitsu so long, if it was what I'm used to now, the fraternal hazing of a jujitsu academy, what would have this, the, the the suffix to that would have been white belt. Don't give me something to drink, white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. That, that's the deal. But he didn't, con he didn't contextualize it that way. He said, get me something to drink. Well, I'll lose my seat. I said, get me something to drink. And that was the last fight I went over because I realized as an adult male, if you're going to hang out with, with dangerous cats, they, they do what dangerous cats sometimes do. Ask Siegfried and Roy. They turn on you. They turn on you. What's what's happened here? Who's who's doing? Something's happened. 
called no this is something some weird YouTube thing is happening um, they they turn on you and you have to be prepared to go to the post when they do turn on you so I stopped watching the fights with him because I said yeah no I this guy's beaten me several times in jiu-jitsu he's a black belt the only person I saw him lose to was soul assassin Dave Terrell but I'm a grown adult male the court of the court of last recourse is me I will shoot you to death in front of this TV. Don't put me in a situation where I, where I have to, like Lydia, explain, oh, no, 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 no. You, if we hang out, socialize in a friendly way, have to actually get your own drinks or have to ask me nicely if I'm in the kitchen to bring you a drink. But demanding something? So I, I haven't come to any, any firm, firm conclusion. Um, and then somebody, one of you on Twitter, was like, hey, you know, I, I remember watching Eugene chase a guy out of the show and, and, and beat him up in the streets, and it wasn't pretty. And I was like, man, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have any memory of that. And the guy said, Portland, Maine, 2001. I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, okay, I remember that. <laughs> but the thing that was confusing is the guy wasn't in the show. He was, he was on the sidewalk outside the show. He and his buddy of his, and I've talked about that before. And he decided to pick on the only black guy in the crowd because he thought he would at least have <laughs> he would have he would have ra uh, racial allegiance backing him up. And but those people were people who had seen us play, and they just watched <laughs> as 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 the, as the evening had a predictable end. Um, so uh, so anyway, I, I have I haven't been able to figure it out, and I haven't been able to figure out why I prefer their company. And I haven't been able to figure out how it feels to me different from somebody like John Janet, who felt very much like a tourist. He thought if he shoplifted some chocolate bars, that he was the same as the guys who, you know, I, don't, I don't feel any need to engage in, in social mimicry. It's just, I'm just there. You know, if you, I think pretty much with me being a writer and a journalist, if you tell me a cool story, I'm yours. And if it's cool and funny, oh my God, forget it. You know, um, that's the basis of loyalty to me is if you have, a, a worldview that's going to add another prism to my understanding of the world, good. As UFC Fight Night 176 demonstrated, is that a segue? That's like the worst segue ever. The worst segue ever. I'm sorry, but I had no cares on the card. But I'm a professional. So I knew this morning, because we record Care Don't Care, um, which has now turned into a review of the past week, as well as a look forward we reviewed, we recorded Sunday mornings. And so uh, my first plan was to, you know, Steph calls, she calls John Nash and me gets us in the line. And then we talk about the fight. My, uh, my first plan was to go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Overeem and Sakai. That uh, was, uh, the... I didn't see it, but it, it's a half hour. I couldn't do that for a half hour. The joke, I mean, that's a Borat joke. You, you know, half an hour, man, you didn't do your job, right? Yeah, exactly. So I so I, I watched the show, got up a little bit earlier today, watched the show on, uh, on, uh, on uh, uh, you know, it, um, on the thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's in, he's in prison. He's in prison over the drink thing. Um, yeah, so um, I and the cool thing about watching it post facto is that I didn't have to watch all those freaking commercials. 
even though you can only advance 10 seconds at a time and that doesn't really help, but you can get, you can get through them. And, um, and I still defend my decision to not care about the fight at all. However, there were some pleasant surprises. First of all, unpleasant surprises were two of the fights, um, and we're kind of normalizing this now, two of the fights getting yanked from the nine-fight card for COVID. One of the heavyweight fights, and then one of the, uh, I, I can't remember, one of the other fights. And we just said, ah, they got COVID, and they got, well, you know what? You need to read about myocarditis, okay? You read about myocarditis, because just because the, like, as I told somebody the other day, I've got 10, 10 people I know mixed between friends and not who, who are dead from COVID, right? Now, these are music folks, so I, I say that by way of proviso. You know, smoking, drinking, maybe not doing a lot of push-ups, sit-ups, not, not running. And uh, so, okay, maybe these, that qualifies as the underlying condition. Some people have drug problems. Got it. But myocarditis, you don't have to. The miserable part about COVID, dying is the least of it. I mean, you know my take on dying. Because I feel like on this planet Earth that we're kind of like uh, we're trapped on a car that's in, on fire and about to crash. And then actually dying, escaping the ride, They're canceling your e-ticket. I get, I get to get off this thing. So long, suckers. That, I mean, you know, then we get back to the consciousness, the super consciousness, and that's where we are when we're not here. I have no idea if that's a good place or not, but I don't think you can crash. I think you just get regurgitated. But that's another story. So, um, <laughs> how did I get to the, oh, oh, oh there. So we, they're not talking about the COVID thing. And myocarditis, like I know a guy who's got scarlet fever. The guy had scarlet fever when he was a kid. It ruined the lining of his heart so that periodically, his name was Monty Kazaza. He's a pretty fascinating guy. He's still alive, but it's affected his whole life. He's, you can look him up. He's a musician guy. As far as I know, he's still alive. Um, so myocarditis attacks the lining of the heart. So 30, 40 football players in like either Pac-10 or Pac-12 have got it. These are men between the ages of 18 and 21. Big guys, football players, so have a propensity once you're not playing football to gain all kinds of weight and and uh, and uh, now have a disease that's going to last them their entire lives. So it's not so much dying. That's not the, Dying is not the issue, really. The issue is I don't want to end up with myocarditis and then be crippled for the remainder, remainder of my this quality of life, remainder of my time on this grain granite planet like Gene Pitney sings. That's just me. So those were the unpleasant surprises. The present surprises, and I'm just going to go in no specific order, Pereira, as somebody mentioned earlier, uh, 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 Miguel, who fought uh, the Dagestani guy, the Dagestani guy who slapped him in the in the weigh-ins. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then during the fight, several times during which he beat Ibrahimov, uh, something he goes, and he holds the hand out and he slaps him with the hand. And let me—I'm sure Tommy LB can attest to this. Never underestimate the power of a slap. Well, remember we talked about showboating and grandstanding. His last fight, he showboated to like, the showboating and grandstanding neither of which are permissible if you lose. And if the showboating and the grandstanding lose you the fight, then you're an idiot. And so uh, Pereira's last fight, he was showboating, and I think it kind of cost him the fight. 
this fight, he had he had the showboating, and I can't remember what I said the distinction was between showboating and grandstanding, but he, he had the showboating in service of a fight plan, right? Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. He, he could have cut his time in half, but he had a point to make because the guy slapped him. And so he was like, kiss the hand, watch the hand, slap the guy with the hand. You cannot stop this. So it was a little bit more good-natured, um, uh, uh, teachable moments uh, type stuff than I would have been comfortable with. But you got to understand, you're not. And he said it in the in the press. He goes, "You're not going to slap me and think that that's going to be all right." I'm not getting into this whole male machismo thing about slap versus punch. I've knocked guys out with slaps. Slaps are powerful, and you don't break your hand doing it. In fact, you know, at one point, a friend of mine was talking about an ex of his, and he go, you know, I'd like to kick her in the ass. I go, really? And he's like, yeah. I, in fact, if I could, I'd like to kick her in the ass to death. I go, that's kind of extreme, kick her in the ass to, to death. But then I started thinking about it. So I talked to a friend of mine who's a physicist and another one who's a doctor. said, conceivably, could you actually kick somebody in the ass to death? The physicist didn't know. He came back with the amount of force he could be applied. They gave those numbers to the doctor. And the doctor said, yes, you could actually kick somebody in the ass to death. I say that by way of saying, do not underestimate the power of a slap. But he was only a casual care. I thought there was not much to him other than grandstanding. But, you know, there's always, let's call it the Sakuraba school. Guys who are inventing on the fly, and they're always good to watch. Venata is that way. Johnny Boney Joni, to a certain degree, is that way, or at least was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, and he and he made a point. And the point is, if you're going to slap, I mean, look, in my short time doing MMA at SF Fight Club, my goal was always to be very nice to the people I was fighting before, because I don't want to give them an excuse. I want to give them a reason. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not. and then the bell goes, and then I'm trying to kill you. And that's just the way the game goes. And that's from when I used to box at the boys' club. This is this I understood. So he's he he's now firmly ensconced in the care territory, Pereira, um, and and that was cool. The woman, the Brazilian woman, Araujo, uh, I'm, I'm massacring the name. She was great, to, great, great to see. She was great, and I was really enjoying the fight and enjoying her as a fighter. And then after she, I don't remember if she, it was a TKO or maybe it was a snap. I don't remember at this point. She stood up, and then she lost me, and she goes, Brazil. I was like, you know what? Brazil wasn't in the cage. It was you who was in the cage. And it put me off in the same way that if uh, if uh, an American fighter gets up and screams USA. I just, you know, your country actually has very little to do with it. Once again, you know, these magical, mystical, make-believe words that don't, don't have anything to do with me. I want somebody to stand up and go, me, me. That's right. All right. Brazil, no, me. And, you know, like there's a guy uh, on the crime faces, Tracy Johnson. I remember his name because he knocks a guy out and he screams to the whole neighborhood, Tracy Johnson. Tra who's, that, who's that guy, that hip-hop guy, uh, who's got the same name as a friend of mine? And he just, he, Mike Jones, Mike Jones, who was a primal canine trainer guy who I used to train jujitsu with, 
But Mike Jones did, and he said, well, why don't you just interrupt your song just to say your name? He goes, so anybody who hears it, high school teacher who's never said I would amount to anything, of all the haters and doubts, I want them to know exactly who it is, Mike Jones. So I kind of I, 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 I kind of like that. I, I, I kind of like that. And so Pereira, I, I, he's good for the division. He's exciting to watch, even if he's against the chump. Um, he, he's a care. Other cat, not so much. Might want to think twice about slapping people at weigh-ins. It was more slap push, but it was still a face mush. Not good. I didn't care about Sakai and, and Overeem because I like Overeem. I actually said I care, don't care. I like non-steroided Overeem. The, the big concern about people who take steroids, as somebody who used to take steroids, what's going to happen to my body when I stop taking steroids? Now, honest to God, my, bo my body personally looked better when I was taking steroids. But that's the, if, if that's the price you have to pay to stop, you know, you get, it, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's because of my lifestyle. You can't. You just can't. You just can't. You just can't. It can't, it can't be an 11-month cycle. You can't. You got to get off. Yeah. So, you know, you lose a little weight. Lean, you know, uh, what is it? Lean is in. One more, lose a little weight. Some muscle endurance. I'm not going to be 265 pounds and benching 345 for reps. Those days are gone. Embrace the new you. So Overeem's body says that to me. And him and Chet Congo are cats that, um, yeah, are, are cats that have shown themselves to be pretty educable. Like, in other words, they go away and then they come back and you can see that they've been working on stuff that they hadn't worked on before. And that, to me, is significant. Right? you got plenty of people who are not educable. They just come back and it's like, how did you not know that this was going to, what did you think? What did you think? Did you think we forgot that you didn't know how to defend a takedown? I mean, I guess Chris Gowlighter General Chris Weidman is there. It's like, you got to do something, bro. Okay, you got the wrestling down. Learn some jiu-jitsu. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. So over him against Sakai, well, you know, like I said, I never trust a guy with an undefeated record. But I didn't care about the fight because it was just the, uh, you know. <laughs> Ever had a woman say, hurt me just before you were about to make love? Um, generally, I, generally, I think if somebody, if somebody has to stage direct your sexual activity, you need to rethink your sexual activity, which is the point that Mike Perry was kind of making, Right. Like, I don't need a corner. I've been training for six months for this. I pretty much got it down. I, you know, they're not going to see anything that I'm not seeing. I got the best seat in the house. <laughs> uh, you know, I got the best seat in the house. You know, generally, generally, I'm sorry, it's me. I got if I'm being directed to do something, I, I, I've not been paying attention. I would tell you, you know, ah, man, this is a family show. I can't. I tell you, you email me and I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, well, come on. We're all adults here. So um, engaging in sexual contact with a partner, how's that to keep it generic? 
and uh, and she says to me, uh, she says, uh, uh, could you could you spit on me? And then I said, oh, okay. And like I said, generally, you know, generally if you have to be asked, then um, and so I uh, she I do what she asks, and and because at the time we were engaging in, in, in anal sex, she says, no, could you could you spit on my ass and um, and I go, oh, that's what you meant the first time. And she was like, yeah. I mean, so I was not tuned into the fact that the, the anal sex that was somehow problematical for her and confused that, that she was asking. So, yeah, I, I generally didn't have to be asked, but I wasn't. But, you know, I still am going to take it as an L on that one. And, and, and if your parents like to listen to this show, don't let them listen to that section if it's going to make you uncomfortable. And, and in any case, my point, my, my, wider, my wider point is, is I'm going to blame the enterprise on that. I don't know how you got with, with oh, we're talking about uh, Pereira. So uh, Sakai, I don't trust a guy with an undefeated record. I think heavyweight is the place to be now. I think it's a really interesting division, and I think interesting things are going to happen. He's now, in my mind, more compelling because of this fight. Uh, and uh, DC said it best in the commentary. Um, um, you know, uh, he says the best in the commentary, and he says, uh, um, listen, if Overeem loses his fight, say him making the claim that he's only got four fights left before he retires, he's got a family, he wants to spend time with his family, he's done. In other words, there's no, if, he, if he's only going to fight four more fights, he doesn't have enough time in that phantom toll booth to get back to challenge for the belt before it's time for him to go. He had to beat Sakai. He had to beat him. Because now he's still in the mix. It's conceivable he could have his rocky moment. I'm not going to go nuts and say that the guy is going to be doing this. If you just listen on the radio, I'm making the universal belt sign. I don't say that he's going to be doing that. But he's certainly in the mix and the heavyweights in the place that now has. I mean, if you even remember 10 months ago, we were like heavyweights, meh, meh, meh. And keep in mind, everybody in heavyweights, their head is in the right place. And you know what that place is called? That place is called the bank. That's where the heads are at, the bank. When John says, me fighting Stipe next is the bank, it is a natural fit, he means it's the bank move. And even Francis should understand that. If Francis didn't like that, shouldn't have lost to Stipe the first time. Take it as a take it as a blessing that you get to train more, because if you lose to Stipe a second time, you're done. You just become the guy that they you know just a secondary chip that they try to move around and put in someplace. Yeah, he, but he's Overeem is learning each time, and you honest to God. You would like to see him against, well, I mean, he's a teammate with Curtis Blades now. So, I mean, th- we have people who on their own are enough to carry it. we got Derek Lewis. We've got Derek the Black Beast Lewis. You know, let's throw Sakai in there. We've got Overeem, John Jones, Stipe. There's the specter of Lesnar coming back. I mean, heavyweight is suddenly a place to be. People that you don't need to see there, maybe Junior Dos Santos, that's fine. 
so what other fights are, what uh, what are fights are on the card were worthy? I, I guess uh, Keller, the big boom Keller. Um, yeah, Jones has never knocked anybody out, really. I mean, not not fisty, not fisty. Keller with his, uh, you know, everybody's oh, 39 second guillotine. Yeah, I got it. I, oh yeah, they, uh, Munoz was he the one with the the armbar, the Polish guy, right? Yeah, or did I miss that? Did I miss that one? Yeah, well, Verdun's gone, but he's he's on some bank. Oh my God, there's a possum walking in the daytime right on this wire outside the house, shaking. And I'm sure it's the heat. If you see possums in the daytime shaking, it's probably the heat. What is it now? Is it 107 degrees or something? I'd like to help the possum, but I don't know what to tell you. Now it's still 106 with crappy air quality. Yeah, 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 that was good. It was good. But Carla, so people are celebrating, and I'm, I'm disgusted. I hear Annex say, you know, Rodriguez or the guy, whoever you fought, I may be getting the name wrong. So I got a one day's notice. One day's notice? One day's notice? Yeah, it's 115 in Vegas. Same in L.A. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, if you do a global threat assessment, you should make plans to be in places in the next 10 years where you're not going to die just because it's Tuesday. What do you need? Close to the water in case you need to escape by water with hills in case there's a tsunami, you need to escape in the hills. And uh, uh, political stability, I'm telling you. Oh, this this Nazi thing is kind of crazy. I think I'll go to Poland. Bad move. <laughs> Bad move, Boston. Forget it. The hurricanes now, and up a Cape Cod, you can get eaten by a great white. You know, there were great whites off of Montauk, or Long Island. You know, but anyway, I don't want to get global paranoia. We don't have to do it. So, um, so uh, um. So Keller gets this gets this guillotine, and but it's like they called the guy who he fought. Um, um, yeah, yeah, they called the guy on one day's notice. It's like just stop it, just just stop it, just stop it with that. You know, one day's notice. How are we supposed to feel about that? Why don't you just grab somebody from the audience and make it part of their MMA fantasy? Yeah. Come on, did that guy even train? That was not. He said, "Well, you know, sometimes people not nah, nah, like it, it. shouldn't be. It, it, it shouldn't be. You know, it shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be that kind of like. Well, maybe, let's see what happens. You know, somebody I know went and uh, got CTE. Guy the whole time thought he was depressed, and so he goes in to get some antidepressants. So they don't seem to be working." They finally figured out they're not working because you don't have a chemical imbalance. Your depression is caused because your brain is damaged. Once you start damaging these organs, your brain, your heart, like myocarditis, you're done. Done, 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 done. Oh, that's okay, Mr. Steroid. You seem like you cared that much about your liver when you're taking all those steroids. All right, I was 27 then. Yeah, well, you know, I just made a tactical decision. But I, I'm, I'm in the long haul. I'm like my Aunt Vi. She lived till she was 100. That's my plan. So we talked about Sakai. We talked about Overeem. 
We talked about Arajo. Uh, we talked about Pereira. We talked about Kelleher. Um, and then who was the guy? Uh, 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 Muniz. Yes, thank you. Um, and that was that was a pretty slick setup. That was a really nice setup. But it was it was not a surprising setup. But it was. I see that setup in jujitsu. But um, <laughs> I see that setup in jujitsu, but not with the strikes. So it was interesting to see him pull it where the guy starts to respond like, oh, I, the other leg is coming over. I'm going to shoulder through because I feel like the guy's about to try to shoulder through and posture up because I feel like the guy's going to try to pull me down into a triangle. And then he starts stiffing up and you go, oh, my leg. But there's no excuse for the Polish cat to get his arm caught there because as soon as you start to as soon as you start to feel it, you're sweaty enough in the second round, which is where I think it happened, to slide that arm out. So in other words, if the Polish cat's jujitsu was just a little bit better, Muniz would have been in trouble. He would have been in trouble. Sport jujitsu, like somebody once said, is not a good place to be. If uh, you know, sports is not a good place to be if you're uh, if you're also getting pounded in the face. In the face. Um. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Brain damage. I mean, you know, um, I had two concussions as a result of playing rugby, and when I quit rugby, that was probably the toughest year of my life after that. And I now realize it was probably CTE and it was, you know, these temporary brain damage and weird stuff would happen. Like I had to concentrate to get upstairs. My brain was like, it was like inception. My brain was folding staircases as I tried to walk up them. So I was stumbling up and down stairs. Extreme depression, baseless depression after, well, all my girl girlfriends were dumping me, so maybe there wasn't baseless depression, but you know what I mean. It was close enough. I'm off track. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, what we opened up with: psychopaths, so, sociopaths, extremists, and their friendships with me. It is possible to maintain friendships with sociopaths, psychopaths, and extremists without yourself also being. Sociopath, psychopath, or an extremist. Right? I think it is. I think it is. I mean, I, I think one of the words they use to describe George W. Bush that I always liked, because it, it was pretty much brought into existence by George W. Bush, was the word incurious. And my mother told me something. My mother's got a, her master's in, in, in counseling. And she told me something, and she said, if somebody brings something up, it means they want to talk about it. Right? Now, if you feel, so, which in my mind means if I, any interaction, any interaction I have with another human being, we're sitting, you know, face to face in a chair, across a table, on a couch, in a car, and we're looking into a box. And the boxes are essentially the moment that we're having together. This is the Dharma Gates thing. Dharma, we can find meaning anywhere. And in the box, they throw something that feels outre or different. Or the, the fact that they put it in the box means that they have 
they, that they have graced you with, with a, an interest in discussing it in a public way. Because prior to them throwing that in the box, you would have had no idea that they were raped by their uncle. Or that they, you know, or that they killed somebody in traffic. In fact, my early life desire, one of my early life desires was to be a priest before I found out about all the weird sexual criminality. But there's something about that that's created a situation where people will say things to me that they've never said to anybody else. There's a fa semi-famous guy. And if you've watched the old shows, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to repeat his name here because I don't know if the guy needs, 20 years later, needs his stuff blasted out. But he turned to me. Nobody else was around. I like, I like this. I started doing this too. Nobody else was around. And he just turned to me, looked me in the eye and said, Eugene? I said, yes. He said, I have had sex with 100 women. And he went back to talk about something else. And I was like, whoa, 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 who, who are these women? And he just kind of makes this general hand gesture of like, yeah, talk about it. And I talked to other people later. I go, hey, you know what he said to me? He said, they, they, and they go, oh, no, no, no way. No way. Okay. So, I, so after that, I started saying crazy stuff to people when it was only two of us around. Because knowing that they would later tell somebody, hey, you know, Eugene told me this. And I go, Eugene said that? No. Except given his personality and given my personality, it's a very different thing. I say any crazy thing, people be like, "Wow, shit, that's Eugene, whatever, crazy guy." He, you know, they they believe it. With this guy, he was so straight that they wouldn't believe it. So that's why it was kind of funny and kind of worked. But in general, when people put that stuff in the shoebox, these are moments. That's these are moments that define your friendship with them. This is why the, these these are different moments. These are different times. These are different things. So people say, you know, how, how, how can you maintain a connection with this prick Gavin McInnes? It's a segue. It's full circle. I'm closing out. It's a callback. It's a common comedian to this. And I, and I say what, what you've heard me say before and what I'll say again until the day I die. And I know it doesn't answer all the questions, but it's a starting point for me. I'm going to try to get him on Aussie Confidential. And the starting point for me is what you've heard me say time and time again, and I'm saying again right now. He's always been nice to me. We can go a little bit further. We can we, we can go a little bit further. Um, yeah, good, yeah, we can go a little bit further. Genghis is kind of almost there. Is it, Eugene, is there something that you would draw the line on? Yeah. If some guy, we're sitting together alone and some guy throws into the shoebox that he likes to molest children, i got to draw the line. You will not find a receptive audience to that. I also don't like men who, who, who beat up their wives or their girlfriends. You will not find an accepted, uh, a, a receptive audience to that. I was staying in a hotel room with a couple once. Let's not talk about that. I pass out, go to sleep. I wake up and I'm here. And I think I wake up to noises like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, those two are having sex in the bathroom. Well, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I can't use that bathroom. I, you know, 
it's just, so I can't open the window, so I, otherwise I'd urinate out the window. I need I get you no know, flower pots in the room. I gotta get in the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. I go to you know it's like three in the morning. I go to the bathroom, and uh, the girlfriend is on the floor, like cowering on the floor under the sink. And my dude is standing there, like, and I'm not sure what's going on, so I just opened the door, and I go, what the fuck are you guys doing? I got to piss. And they're like, oh, okay. And they leave the bathroom, and I piss, and I get back in the room, I get in the bed, and I go to sleep, and then that was it. It's like, one, I wasn't really quite sure what was happening, but I was a little bit wakeful after that, and nothing else happened. But generally, yeah, you're not going to find me too receptive. I mean, there are lines. I had one woman who was, who was screaming at me one point, don't you have any lies? Don't you have, we were breaking up. Don't you have any lies? What's the matter with you? Where does it stop with you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I have lines. Stuff, usually stuff that violates my sense of fair play. Anything with kids. Men who beat their women. Violates my sense of fair play. Get out of here with that. But generally, you could tell me any old crazy thing. And I go, oh, it's not the thing for me, but it was Eugene, I want to take a whole bunch of, I want to take a whole, I'm going to smoke a whole bunch of crack and then take a whole bunch of heroin and kill myself. Well, that's not a thing for me, but who am I to stop you? And that's certainly just what he did. I wrote an article about that too. I think on Ozzy, it was like trying to stop, a, trying to, they put the headline, trying to save a friend from heroin. And that's, he said, you guys got to read the story. I didn't really save him. The guy's dead. Feel sort of bad about that, but he didn't want to be on this planet. How am I going to argue to him? What works for me is not what works for him. I'm having a good life. It's not transferable. Anyway, that's the end of the show. We didn't get into the Alex Jones Illuminati and Eddie Bravo. The thing is, I'm not friends with Eddie Bravo or Alex Jones. Though Alex Jones might be friends with Gavin McInnes, I, I also don't do that thing. Where a friend of my friend is not always a friend. Just a dude. I have to have a personal connection to you. And uh, um, there's a guy there's a guy who I love. The guy doesn't know I love him. And his name is Steve Friedman. And Steve Friedman is the one who got me into GQ. And how did I get into GQ? I just sent a blind letter. I went through the names on the masthead, and I picked the name that seemed most simpatico to me. I got the best vibe off it. I got an aura. It was orange. Flash forward to last Christmas. I'm at a Christmas, a corporate Christmas party. And I'm talking to the saleswoman from New York. And she says, you know, I have this friend, Steve Friedman. And I go, whoa, whoa. Steve Friedman, who used to work at GQ? And she's like, yeah, you know. I go, this guy, so you got, I'm going to contact Steve Friedman. She's kind of having a hard time. And, I, and I'm going I'm to help him out. Naturally, I forgot that until this very moment. So probably sometime this week, I should, I should reach out to Steve Friedman. And, oh, no, I know what it was. I said, give me his number, and she never did. But I know a way to get a hold of her, and she'll, I'll get Steve Friedman's email. Anyway, the show is done. This is 129.
I got to post this stuff on Patreon. If those of you still paying for me via Patreon, Monday afternoon, you have Care Don't Care, me, Steph, Steph Hines, and John Nash. John Nash won the week, but it's easy to win the week if I don't care. Uh, Tuesday night, it's If the Shoes Fit, and I think it's uh, it's the second part of Hip Hop Evolution. So for an extra dollar, you get to uh, peek inside Kid Nate's world with uh, uh, Let It Roll podcast. And then maybe this week, maybe they'll actually run my Starsky piece. I don't, I don't know what the holdup is over the Starsky piece. Um, um, if you are into blowguns, crossbows, or archery, uh, DM me. Because I'm doing a piece on crossbows, blowguns, and archery, uh, especially specifically if you're hunting with them. But you could be doing anything with them. Not killing your neighbors, but you can do anything with them because I got a piece that I'm excited about trying to write this week. So, at Eugene S. Robertson on Twitter, Mr. Sleep with the number three on Instagram. Uh, Instagram is weird. I, I'll, I'll accept somebody, and then later it tells me I haven't done it. So, I don't know what's going on with that. Anyway, it's gate kept. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the forces be with you that we see you next Sunday. Until then, good sleeping. Until then, look what you made me do.